Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the TSC Audio Project. In this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I talk about orthotics. This segment is sponsored by our official travel sponsor, Nanook Protective Hard Cases. Check out their badass cases at nanook.com and also by Craft Manufacturing Company, who supplied us with some badass standing workstations. All of Craft's furniture is handmade from scratch in Ottawa, Canada, and is guaranteed to last 100 years. These things are literally bomb-proof and super beefy with no shortcuts taken in the build process. We use them in our podcast studio and conference table at the office, and you can check out their stuff at craftmfgco.com. That's it for sponsors, so let's get into it. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey everyone, Nick and Mike here for another episode of Shop Talk. On this one, we talk about orthotics. Uh, we talk a little bit about their history, why they get prescribed, what they do, our view on them, uh, a little bit about the research out there, and just a general conversation about rethinking how we treat foot dysfunction, because the way that a lot of health professionals are doing it today simply isn't being effective from what we see. Uh, we want to explain why that is and why our approach shifts away from orthotics and towards restoring foot mobility, strength, and dealing with the root cause of the problem instead of just giving the foot more support. Um, so I guess we could probably talk about even how orthotics started. Like they started a long time ago, longer than I thought. They Relatively, they started a long time ago, but yeah. it is also relatively a new phenomenon. So True. Um, I was looking into that and it's actually Dr. Scholl. So you'll see, you know, everyone's heard the name Dr. Scholl because you go into any drugstore and you'll see those, you know, store-bought orthotics that people will get yeah, for their shoes. Everyone knows the Dr. Scholl's gel inserts. Gel pads, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so it was actually him... And who made it more popular? There's somebody before him in the early 1900s, but in 1910, he really came onto the scene and he popularized orthotics as a way of treating foot dysfunction. Hmm. Um, so after that, really, they, they started to explode on the scene and I was looking into it and there's actually a lot of regulations that they had to put into effect after that because they in the 20s, they were just exploding. Everyone was saying, everyone needs orthotics. Everyone should be wearing them. Um, so... That's kind of how they really burst onto the scene. It's funny because that's not different from right now. It seems no, like exactly. everyone's being put in orthotics. Like it's, it's almost, it almost, some new fad comes out, they think it's beneficial, and then it just kind of overshoots and get out, gets out of control to the point where too many people are going into them. And it's one of those things, it's just like anything else. If people are really resilient to change the way they're thinking, it's mm-hmm. hard for people to get out of the funk of, you know, artificially support the foot when we know that's really not the best way to treat foot problems. That's it. And it was just like a new idea back then. And, you know, then it just, it took a life of its own. And then the regulators had to come in. They kind of slowed the progress down. Hmm. The orthotics industry slowed down for a little while after that, kind of through the mid 1900s, um, picking up again in the 1970s. And that's when it started to really pick up and explode again. Hmm. Um, And I think all the way up until now, we're still seeing that, rampant use of orthotics and the rampant uh you know prescription of orthotics from foot doctors from doctors yeah. in general physical therapists health professionals um you name it so there's it's just continuing from that but it's something that you know well, we been... see it all the time like everyone that comes in seems to be in orthotics it's very yeah. weird and uh how big did you say the orthotics industry was, was it in the billions there's yeah estimates range from about 3.5 billion to 4.5 4.7 billion so that's Jesus. as of about 2016 so it's a massive industry yeah and something that just started in the you know 1910 until now being mm-hmm. that big of an industry um they've done a very good job at marketing themselves obviously yes. and the fact that people think that they should be wearing orthotics the fact that people have insurance coverage 
every year for orthotics. And part of what we'll talk about today is just yeah. like how crazy that is. And people just assume, like I even had somebody in the clinic yesterday who was just like, yep, yeah, I'm getting my yearly orthotics made. And they just thought it was like clockwork. It's like, that's what I do every year. I get my new $500 in, I get my new pair of orthotics. Um, and never talking about what needs to be done to actually correct the dysfunction at hand. So and some people don't even know why they're getting them. You're like, yeah. you know, do you wear orthotics in your shoes? Yes. Okay, when did you start wearing them? You know, whatever, 10 years ago. Why do you wear them? Uh, and there's like a big pause. It's like people have to really, they don't even know why they're wearing them. They can't That's even remember it. the original reason why they were given them. And when you kind of like just question them on that, they're like, shit, I don't even, I, I honestly don't even know. I think it was yeah. for my knees. That's a popular one I've yeah. been hearing these days. And it ranges. Like some people, some people know why they're in them. Some people have been told the reason why they, they're in them. Um, so some people say, well, it's because of my flat feet and then you'll ask them, okay, well, let's talk further about that. But then it's some people is like, well, I I was in pain. Um, you know, that bout of pain went away and along the way I was treated with orthotics. You ask them, do you have pain now? Well, no, I don't have pain now. Okay. Well, why are you still wearing the orthotics? Well, I never really thought about that. Mm -hmm. And then you could just like probe them a little further and say, well, do you wear them all the time? Like when you're on your feet? Mm -hmm. Well, no, I wear them in, you know, in some shoes and then. You know, I walk and you know, do walk around the house without them. Yeah, I go barefoot around the house. You in pain? No. Okay. Well, why? Why are you wearing them? Do you really yeah. think you need them? <laughs> um, so then, yeah, it starts to just you know the the questions start to arise from there. People start to think about things. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's kind of. I think we should explain what we mean by orthotics too. Yeah, and that's a good place to start because orthotics is kind of this big umbrella term um, where technically an orthotic support could be you know, like a, a knee brace could be considered an orthotic support. And, mm. you know, we're not talking about when people have a genetic deformity, they have drop foot, they have some diabetic neuropathy. Like we're not talking about these um, massive, you know, structural orthotics. We're talking about the everyday person that has foot problems. They go to a podorthist, they get put in orthotics that get put into their shoe. So it's like a, whether it's a custom made or over the counter, it's an insert that people put in their footwear to yeah. help support the arch of the foot or whatever they're being told the purposes of them. That's what we're talking about because that's the most common thing that we see. There yeah. are maybe 0.5 of 1% of people that have a genetic deformity where they have to use some sort of supported, uh, supportive prescribed orthotic in order to correct a genetic deformity. But those are extremely rare. Like those yeah. are anomalies. And so that's not, you know, inevitably when we talk about orthotics, people say, oh, some people are born needing them. It's like, well, that's not totally false, but I think so many more people are being told they need them that don't need them. And that's where the problem is. We're talking about the 99% of people wearing yeah. orthotics these days. We're not talking about the exceptions. Everyone wants to look at the exceptions. But again, uh, we can talk about exceptions on a case-by-case basis. That, that's what you really need to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, And again, there's genetic deformities. There's uh, there's rheumatoid arthritis, aggressive rheumatoid arthritis, things like that, autoimmune disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, there's surgical interventions that have happened, uh, accidents where they need support. There's all these little things that can um, you know, be helped with the use of orthotics over time, and maybe they're necessary. But that's so, less but, than 1%. Exactly. So we we're not talking to be clear about on that. that. So now we, we talk about why they're prescribed. I mean, we talked about that kind of a little bit just before, but probably the biggest reason people think they're putting orthotics originally is because they have flat feet, which is kind of a, it's kind of a cop-out because it's really, I think it shows more about the lack of understanding of how the foot works than anything, right? Because if you take a simple biomechanical view of the foot um, as an isolated body part that can't change, that's not connected to the body, sure, lifting up the arch of the foot that has fallen might make sense. But when Mm -hmm. you look at the foot as something, number one, that can change 
And I think that's like, if you're treating someone's body, you should have a basic understanding of human physiology and how the body adapts to the loads or what the environment it's exposed to. Mm-hmm. If you understand that, you know, the foot changes. So with that, that said, it's going to adapt to whatever you, you, you expose it to. If you're exposing it to artificial support, you require no support from your foot or from your hip to help with that alignment. So that's mm-hmm. like, that's a big problem. And that's kind of, you know, that's, I think we should get into that in terms of getting at the root cause, talking about the root cause of what we need to fix. Yeah. Because orthotics really aren't getting at that. But I went on the uh, one of the Canadian podorthic websites, and I'm sure this is the same with a lot of them, and they list that orthotics can treat foot pain, heel pain, shin splints, knee pain, higher low arches. So they list all of these things <laughs> that they can things. treat. So. So right there, like you said, a lot of people prescribe them for like fallen arches, uh, flat feet, quote unquote flat feet. But I think a lot of people are also getting them because of a bout of pain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so when you're in pain, your orthotics can help. But if you look deeper at the studies, which we'll get into next, that might not be so clear cut and it might not be the case. And mm-hmm. you might not need a custom made $500 pair of orthotics. <laughs> you might need or you might be able to get away with something that is $20 from the store, which is the research is saying, even if you if you go down that road. If Yeah, and let's, let's the, I think the core principle here is just getting rid of pain is a terrible approach to healthcare. Why? Because mm-hmm. if your shoulder hurts or your feet hurt, you can crush 30 shots of whiskey and feel really good and not remember the pain. Doesn't mean that's a good solution, mm-hmm. right? Just because it takes away pain, it doesn't necessarily mean that's an effective treatment. And we have to really... We have to target root causes of why these things are happening, right? If foot pain is a symptom or byproduct of a problem that's happening upstream or a problem with your movement or your posture, then just treating the pain is a terrible way of going about fixing that person or getting that person improving their body. Exactly. So so pain, like I said, like pain, I think, is a big reason why people are initially prescribed them. Yeah. Um, so you look into, okay, so what are your views on what do orthotics are, what are they actually doing? Let's say they are helping modulate pain. I looked into a lot of the studies and a lot of the studies are showing that people don't know, they don't know what it's, what they're doing. There's no conclusive evidence to say what is happening when you're wearing them. Now there's different theories behind them. Um, you know, the modifying tissue loading, I, I'm of the belief that, Hey, if it does modify the loading that you're putting through your foot, if it's modifying the tissue um, load that's happening at your heel or wherever is in pain, mm-hmm. hey, that might be that might be of use temporarily. Uh, temporarily, yeah. it's just like me push. Like if I push on something, it might feel better. Like, yeah, like it, if my forearm's sore and you because the muscles overused or tight, and you push on my muscle, which might feel better. Massage therapy, it probably feel better temporarily. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? So it might make your pain temporarily feel better. Yeah. And that might make you be able to do more in the short term. But we are disregarding the entire problem at hand. So modifying- and like you said, it's different. Sorry to interrupt. But it, like if you're doing that short term to control your symptoms, to improve your quality of life or let you move around while so you're working and on and addressing the actual reason why that's a problem, then that's a good use of orthotics. Exactly. Short term, control pain. But put a little asterisk there saying that, okay, if you look at actually the recent like meta-analysis studies, a $500 custom orthotic and a $20 off the shelf insert from Walmart do the same thing. Exactly. And and like you said, it's not like we're 
completely against orthotics. If no, you not can at use all. something, you could call it anything. If you said, "Hey, I have this pen that I stick in my in my shoe in my shoe uh, when I get pain, <laughs> and the the pen makes my foot feel better, so it allows me to get through this as I work on stuff." Yeah. Uh, and then once I once I get you know my tissues under control, once I get my foot strength up a little bit, then it it I goes away. Okay, we'll take the pen out, right? Yeah. But, but the pen is the same thing as your thought. It, that's fine. I'm I'm all for that. But, but like just don't say, pay. Don't buy a five hundred dollar pen. No, buy a twenty dollar pen because it does the same thing. That's another. That's that's a big part of the thing. Is like we're wasting so much money. You know, if someone gets five hundred dollars per year for orthotics. Um, that's probably money that's better spent on number one. Maybe them having a, you know a single session or an assessment, and then like a six month follow up with someone that can help them understand their feet and how to do the basic daily maintenance at home. And then also investing in a good pair of footwear, like your everyday shoes, your everyday pair of footwear, one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks hmm. for less than five hundred dollars. You can get someone into a good pair of shoes, which, as we know, is one of the most important things to having functional feet is having wearing footwear that lets your foot function like a foot and having an education session mm-hmm. right and if you need that 20 dollar pair of orthotics to or or you know whatever you want to call it um to help with the pain in the short term great but let's use those dollars for things that are effective instead of wasting them on these custom orthotics that people all have the perception of being the magical you know tool which which we're seeing they're not well they really are and if maybe that's a good time to delve into a little bit of the research because like you just said there might not be a difference between that $500 pair of orthotics and the $20 pair of orthotics. And a couple big systematic reviews are showing just that. So there's a 2008 Cochrane report that showed that there was no significant or conclusive evidence to to say that there was any difference between using a store-bought pair of orthotics, just off-the-shelf pair, and then mm-hmm. something that was custom-made. Yeah. And it also went to, on to say that there's no difference statistically between a soft orthotic and a hard orthotic so Mm -hmm. it says like no matter what the orthotic was there was some change in terms of pain perception but it wasn't it didn't really matter and they followed that up in 2018 this year with a systematic review by rasenberg et al and there was 20 studies that they looked at and they combined uh, 1756 patients this was in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And what they showed is the exact same thing. There was no difference they found between the off-the-shelf version of the orthotic and the custom-made orthotic. So it's showing you, and, and this is, again, back to symptoms and pain. They just re, they linked it to um, yeah, people in acute pain, symptom, symptoms, right? So the outcome, I still disagree with the outcome. Pain is a poor outcome to just study because it's like, okay, yeah. well, you know, did the shot of morphine that you gave the patient reduce the same amount of pain? Oh, great. Like, are we going to use that too? Or if I shot a local numbing agent in your foot, that that was good as good as the orthotic. Should we use that too? Yeah. Pain is a terrible thing to just solely yeah, base your metric. It's a exactly. lagging metric. Exactly. However, that's what it showed is that there was no difference between those two. So we got to really rethink what we're doing here. And, and we got to think about like, why are we using them? We're using them in a short term yeah. basis or a long term basis. Um, and should the goal be to wear them forever? Which I think a lot of people have that conception is like, <laughs> so once I'm in orthotics, somebody's telling them or they have the, uh, they, they think that or whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. the branding of orthotics, the marketing of orthotics, a lot of the times makes it think that this is what you have to do now. You have to wear your orthotics. You have to get a new ones made. Yeah. Oh, don't go without your orthotics. You're going to be in trouble. That's very, very harmful to people because and it's feeding into their fear, like their fear of the unknown. Like mm-hmm. if you go to someone with doctor in front of their name and they say orthotics, you think orthotics are the shit. And it's like, you know, I, I read one thing online and the guy said basically, you know, if you, when experts tell you that orthotics are 
controlling or correcting or aligning your feet, even the suggestion that either of those things are possible shows you how little they know about how your body really moves, right? Mm-hmm. If you have 33 joints in each foot, they, all, they each have three degrees of freedom. You know, 30 times 30 times 30 um, is like 40,000 variables. You think a little piece of plastic that costs $500 and, and you know, someone makes for you can control 40,000 variables in your foot? It just doesn't make sense. No, and they've, the studies are, are very, very direct on that, on showing that we don't know exactly how they work. And anyone who tells you they know exactly what they're doing when they're making them um, is misinformed. Is misinformed. <laughs> and again, they might be modifying tissue loading. They might be reducing peak pressures um, yeah. at insertions of muscles at the heel. They might be altering some muscle activity, giving slightly different sensory feedback. These are all mm-hmm. things they might be doing. How are they so deeply rooted? Okay, if insurance comes, we, we both, so one of our next podcasts coming up is going to be about research versus science. And I think, you know, if people follow us, they know that we're not real big guys on in terms of looking at re, like research literature, because in general, you know, I find it's very poorly done, right? The research is not, it's not good science. Science is the people that we treat on a daily basis, doing an intervention, testing something, doing an intervention, and then retesting and then seeing the results firsthand. But we know that insurance companies speak research, right? That's mm. what they want to hear, even though it's not a good, probably not a good measure, but that's what they want to hear. And the research shows that we shouldn't be spending $500 on customer orthotics. So how no. the hell is it so pervasive? And so everyone, especially in Ottawa, and I don't know if Ottawa is an exception because it's a government town and there's so many um, government health benefits that people really, they're not paying out of pocket personally. So they might not be as sensitive in terms of really looking into, is this worth my money? But everyone is in orthotics. It's crazy. I think it just worked its way into the system. And like you say, I don't understand how because the research is not in support of it. Yeah. And you can find studies that do support it. You can. Here's the thing. Individual studies will show you anything you want. You yeah, can, you you can pick, pick whatever choose. results you want. However, when you look at these bigger reviews that look at 20 or more studies, they look at uh, hundreds of studies. These are, something, these are things that are a little bit more, okay, well, what's going on here? If they don't find significant, and if the results are all over the place, yeah. we got to, re- that's not good that's not good science. If you can find exactly. different things pointing you in different directions based on different variables, there's so many different variables that are studied. So you just got to look at the real broader picture when you're looking at science. Um, but again, it's very, it's not very good in terms of uh, the outlook on orthotics when you look at the broader picture. Um, now, no, I think one of the big things I think is the problem with them is that going, going back to it, once you're in orthotics, then a lot of the times the person thinks the onus is off them. I've, that's my solution. Yeah, you've so I've found the solution. The we've solved the problem. But really, we've, we haven't solved any problem. We've actually yeah. covered a problem up. That's really what's happened there. Exactly. Um, it's just back to that old like car analogy. It's like, okay, the engine light's on. My pain's on. What do we got to do about this? We bring it in, and you know, the person in the shop puts a piece of duct tape over the engine, the engine light, light. And so says, you can't oh, see you, it anymore and you're like oh my yeah. engine light's off i'm all good when you're yeah. it's still give me, on <laughs> yeah and give, give me five hundred dollars good analogy give me five hundred dollars we've solved your problem yeah exactly right? so you're happy temporarily but really underneath the hood we got to figure out what is actually going on yeah because you're, you didn't solve anything do you, some diagnostics figure out what the actual problem is because exactly because here's the thing you put that piece of duct tape over the engine light you don't know it's there anymore but the problem's getting worse Exactly. Right. It's if there's friction somewhere there shouldn't be, that friction is going to wear through something. Your engine's going to explode. And the same thing with the feet. You know, it's 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 one of these. It's so weird. And that's one of the most harmful things about orthotics. I think is that it gives people the impression that they've solved the problem when they really haven't done anything to solve the problem. Exactly. And by using them, 
basically by default, you're ignoring the factors that actually need to be addressed in the first place. Yeah. And again, there's you can use them wisely, but in most cases, what I see and what you see, they're not being used for that reason. I know. And there's again, there's always good. There's good practitioners out there who are using them for these. I would argue yeah. that there's there's people who have good intentions and they are looking at these root cause approaches and they are weaning people off, off orthotics when they can. But yeah. I would say that they're just being abused on a on a grand scale. Um, I mean, a big part of it is the money making machine that they they are yeah. right. And, and I mean, they're not bad people. Like okay, someone that puts someone in a five hundred dollar pair of orthotics probably doesn't know that a $20 pair off the shelf can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's not like they know that and they're trying to push something that makes them money. I, I think the majority of the case is probably not mm-hmm. the case. Um, they also don't know, like people that are prescribing these long-term, if you become a health professional, regardless of what injury, if you're a podorthist or a physio or a chiro, you're there to help people. Okay, there's only the select few of people that are, um, you know, maleficent and want to, you know, want to rip people off. That's, that's the minority, the huge minority, less than 1%. So if all these people, you know, if a good person that wants to help people is making $500 orthotics and they're putting in, uh, putting people in them long term, they think that that's solving the problem. Mm-hmm. So why are these really smart people that are trying to help people giving such poor advice? And I think it's just, you know, we always talk about the paradigm of uh, isolation versus integration, mm-hmm. right? Like our goal is always to reintegrate someone's body get body part a talking to body part b working well together so that your whole body as a system moves well right it's exactly whereas orthotics are isolation it's like they they when someone comes in to get treated they're chopping their entire body off at the ankle and just looking at the foot as a snapshot of that person's body when you know number one if you understand physiology if you come in with neck pain because your neck is stiff and it's weak you don't get put in a neck brace for your entire life. That would be stupid, right? Mm. Yet we treat the foot with that approach. Basically, we're putting the foot in a cast because it's stiff and weak, which causes them their pain. That's why they first go in in the first place. Um, And why are we treating the same human body but a slightly different part so differently it just doesn't make sense we're, we're ignoring all, the fact that the body can change right yes so that's his base premise that basically negates a lot of orthotic use is your body changes you expose it you know if you never let the load of your body be applied to your foot what reason would your body have to use the muscles to support that arch mm-hmm. it, there's it's gone and like you say i've heard some arguments from from people um, when I put a post out on orthotics, maybe asking people to maybe think a little bit differently about this stuff. Um, I've had comments before. Well, what if it's because of you know the mobility issues around their big toe or their or the ankle? And it's like, well, yeah, exactly. That can change. We we want to. The whole point is we need to address those underlying things that might be causing their pain or are causing their pain, yeah. as opposed to putting them in orthotic to to block the pain. And that, I think that's just back to that whole pain thing is a, another reason why is that we're just ter- we just need to reframe what, the whole pain thing we're just ter- doing a terrible job in in most cases at, at like dealing with or looking at pain because yeah. everyone's just so consumed with the the pain the signal everyone's consumed consumed yeah. with that and i think that's just problematic in more of the, in the in our field as a whole but it, hugely problematic in medicine and health in general starts with the doctors right exactly you come with shoulder pain here's some cortisone Here's some pain meds. Like, no, you're not addressing why the pain is there. It's a big problem. And then people don't get better. Big fucking surprise. People don't get better when you don't address the problem. It's like, exactly. So I think that that's a big part of it. Like we've, okay, great. We might, we, they might help with pain, but really again, 
it's the root cause. It's the reasons that need to be addressed that are causing that pain that need to be looked at. Mm -hmm. It's a slightly, it's a more sustainable route. Here's the thing. In the short term, it's slightly slower. And we don't ignore pain. Like, I think you'd agree. We don't, pain is important. Someone's coming to you for pain. If you don't do anything to treat their pain and they're in more pain or the same pain when they leave or two weeks later, you're not going to be treating that patient for long. So pain is important. But I think what we're saying is if you treat the root cause of why something's happening, pain going away is a byproduct of that. Yeah. It's a symptom of getting better movement or better mobility or whatever the root cause of that problem is. Exactly. So you don't have to focus and zoom in specifically. And sure, there's some things you can do to help decrease their pain. We're not trying to keep people in pain, but it goes away if you do the right stuff. Yeah, I want to figure out why it's there. Why is it there? It's the signal, right? It's that... Like, let's, let's diagnose why it's there. Let's not diagnose you with a, a condition that you think can't change and that and we'll slap you in something to address this thing that we also think can't change. So, again, is it your, is it your ankle mobility? Is it your big toe mobility? Is it the fact that you can't control your arch because upstream areas aren't working well? Yeah. Is it your hip stability? It it's, it's, can be many of these things combined. Um, and really, they, a lot of them aren't that difficult to, to start making huge changes in. Is it the footwear that you wear to work every day? Are you spending 10 hours in shoes that cram your feet together yeah. uh, in a heel lift yeah. all day long while you sit? Is that maybe part of the reason? Should we address these things too? Or should we put you in the orthotics, right? So it's, it's, just, it's multifaceted, I think. But, but really, we really need to start addressing that root cause approach. And it was funny, like... Just to go another step further, uh, uh, you know, we used to work. So just to be clear, Mike and I had in physio school, when they teach you how to deal with foot problems, they talk about supportive footwear as a solution. They talk about orthotics as a solution. So we were, our formal education taught us to deal with foot dysfunction in a very ineffective way. And that's how we treat it for the first year or two. Like that's just, that's what you learn in school. You assume what you assume what you learn in school is the right stuff to, to do, right? To be a good therapist. And when we started looking at things differently and kind of look seeing things like, okay, this doesn't really make sense. Why are we supporting a weak foot even more? Shouldn't we like maybe just strengthen the foot? Is the foot is the is you know the default null hypothesis the fact that the foot works best when it's barefoot? You know, mm-hmm. once we started to rethink that and change the way we were doing things, we initially worked with a pedorthist in our clinic, and I still remember when a patient went to see him, um, was put in orthotics, but then was also put in Hoka shoes. The things with like, there was like two and a half inches of padding underneath the shoe. The bottom of it was curved like a rocker. It's like, that is the most unhuman style shoe you can get. And yet that's what the foot expert is putting people in. Like it just, it's so, it's so crazy. It's like, okay, my foot is sensitive because I never expose it to texture. Let's put it in even less texture. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's put it on a huge comfy couch of uh, like a big pillow of cushioning to solve my problem. It's like, it's so, it's the opposite direction of where people need to go. Exactly. Um, And that guy's not a bad guy. Like he's a good guy. It's just, he, his age, he's at an age group where he probably doesn't have the motivation to rethink his entire profession when that's really what he has to do. He has to, you know, to be real, the foot collective should be a group of podorthists, right? Like podorthists and foot specialists are the best people to do what we're doing right now to mm-hmm. change the paradigm of how their industry works going from ineffective old crap to a new way of thinking where it, you know, you see the results. I see, we see the results every day. So it's not, this is the truth as far as we're concerned. And I haven't, you know, I'm waiting to be proven wrong, but we haven't had a compelling argument to say that orthotics are a better alternative to treating foot dysfunction than getting people to, to, to move and reclaim their mobility and work on their own bodies, take ownership for their own machine and understand the basics of how to fix it. And a big part of that is your hips don't work. 
and you wear shoes that destroy your feet all day. Those mm-hmm. are two good starting points, and they're so easy to change in people, right? So I think that maybe a few case studies, and then we'll talk maybe about how you would go about, well, maybe where orthotics would be used, and then yeah. the end goal being to wean off of them, How some ideas on how we might wean off of them. Yeah, Again, every idea. case is very individual, um, and so we're not giving medical advice to you specifically. However, these are just some general themes of what we see on a daily basis. So I had a kid in this week, and I don't know about you, but a lot of people who who have who have been wearing orthotics for quite some time, there's this phenomenon of what I call lazy feet. Yeah, so see it all the time. Yeah, and I, so I had a 15 year old kid in. He was a runner. He's been wearing orthotics for about five years, actually. So he's been a runner, cross country runner, for quite some time now. Um, initially, again, he was in them because of pain, but this kid has. Crazy tight calves, Achilles pain both sides, doesn't have foot pain, it comes on and off. But again, you take his shoes and his orthotics off, you get him to stand on one foot, and it's almost like his foot is just this platform that is not, it's disconnected from his body. It's like mm-hmm. this like piece of meat that's not actually working to stabilize to the ground. Doesn't know what to do. Like, no, it, it, you, you, you see, see all this. it all the time. You see like this twitching, and it's like your brain's trying to figure out how to control this body part that yeah. is connected to the rest of the body, but it's never communicated to it. Exactly. It's always been supported artificially. It's been supported. So he's, it's this weird disconnect and you don't even see at first, I didn't even see much muscular activity. I saw a lot around the ankle and that's hmm. what you'll commonly see too, is like when the foot's not really doing its job to root through the floor and get stability, you develop, an ankle you strategy. develop more of an ankle strategy. Yeah. Um, mysteriously, this kid has crazy tight ankles, tight calves, tight peroneals. All of his ankle muscles are just like on lockdown mode. Hmm. Anyways, it's, it's something that getting his shoes off is just a, a weird phenomenon. Getting him on, on some of the beams we did after. And he's 15. And he's 15. Wow. So, that I've that same thing I've seen multiple different times. So, whereas he had pain in the first place, he was put in orthotics. But again, went down that road of getting new orthotics every year and wearing those orthotics to run, to school all of the time, developing these feet. And this kid's athletic. Beyond this, he's he's a very athletic kid. He's a long distance runner. I was like, it's a shame that he is gone down this path because we're starting to see some massive changes. Um, months into it but it's taken a long time just to wake things up Hmm. literally just wake things up and i'm kind of guiding down that road of how do we start to wean off the orthotics because because he's able to he's able to walk around his house barefoot he's able to walk around his yard okay that's a good starting point Hmm. but we just need to wake everything up again and i think that's the problem is that we talked about the use case of orthotics maybe in the short term it might be good for altering some of the tissue loading and things like that controlling symptoms but again the grand scheme of things we're not concerned so much about your symptoms we're concerned about starting to get to the root cause of them yeah starting to work on these things so as you're working on these things it's got to be a concurrent process use orthotics and also work on what needs to be worked on for the end goal of to wean off your orthotics and then yeah. the final goal of to never need orthotics again and only use it to control your pain if you're having pain. That's the yeah. big part, right? Because it's like, okay, someone comes in, they're like, I got a weak leg, I got to strengthen it. I'm using a crutch right now. Mm-hmm. So you're using crutch to offload and make sure that leg doesn't do anything. If you're having pain when you put weight on that leg, maybe you need to use a crutch initially, but you should be putting less and less weight on that crutch. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, you can't get your orthotics modified every month as your foot gets stronger. So every time you use that crutch, you're essentially negating some of the work you're doing. So you only want to use that crutch if you absolutely need to, to control your symptoms. Exactly. Which a lot of people find they can ditch orthotics quite quickly. They might have to modify their activity slightly, mm-hmm. but that's 
probably a worth a worthy compromise to not have to revert back to using the crutch again and then offloading completely that same area exactly right and it's and the fact that you just said every year he got new orthotics like if they're doing new orthotics every year they're clearly aware that the foot is changing right if, if your foot is changing maybe it's going it's probably changing in the wrong direction right if it requires more support you just spent a year in support your foot's getting weaker now we're going to yeah. beef up this orthotic and I'm not sure if they actually changed their thought yeah. or not, but oh, okay. but yeah, like he, I mean, he, but I hear he got that a new pair. Sometimes. No, for sure. I think that's the case in a lot of times. Um, I think he was just getting it to take advantage of the insurance money he had for orthotics. Yeah. But regardless of what it was for, this kid should not be in orthotics, and he was going down this path yeah. that was leading to this this presentation of just lazy feet. Uh, to be honest, just really weak feet feet yeah. that were not doing any good for his body but it makes perfect sense if you spend all day with your foot in a cast where the joints can't move that's the other thing too is like okay you put a rigid orthotic in a shoe to hold up the arch you're not able to move your foot anymore your foot like, moves as one as a two by four because if you take that orthotic and smack it against the table or try and bend it and twist it it's not going to bend a whole lot because it's rigid so it alters the way the, f- the foot works yeah so, so that's what it so really it alters it prevents the foot from working like a foot should be working Mm-hmm. fundamentally it does that it does yeah that. and a lot of shoes also do that so that's just back to our baseline theory anything that's preventing your foot from potentially working like it should be working yeah is in the grand scheme of things not a good long-term solution yeah it's doing right? it it's creating more work for you to do later on to get back to a natural foot posture natural foot function because the foot needs to be a mobile adapter and a rigid lever at the same time so by putting in something that is basically supporting the arch at all times you're ignoring the the whole fact of what the foot's supposed to be doing yeah you eliminate your, mobile adapter your, you, you your foot is always a rigid lever and that's one thing like as i've been reading more about running it, a lot of people are talking a lot of really smart people are talking about how pronation is a shock absorption strategy exactly. so when you go and you land from um, each step when you're running your foot is supposed to deform to help absorb some of that impact of landing and then so it pronates. So pronation is not a bad thing. Everyone demonizes pronation. It's like you did a great post about that once. You said pronation is not the problem. It's controlling your pronation that's the problem. Yeah. If you're permanently in pronation with flat pancake feet, that's not good. But if your foot can't pronate, you all of a sudden cannot absorb shock through your foot. There's a ligament in the foot called the spring ligament for a reason. It's, yeah. it's, it's part of our shock absorption strategy. So if you lose any capacity to pronate because you have something, whether it's a piece of footwear or an orthotic, supporting you in supination in this clean arch position you cannot absorb impact using your foot creating rigidity yeah you're putting it in that rigid stiff position and then you're impacting with the ground in a rigid position yeah so beyond the foot not being able to do what it's supposed to do i would i would argue that there's more impact forces being sent through the entire body as a result Mm -hmm. of that too for sure right because you're just not getting that shock absorption effect you're not getting that natural uh, flow of the foot from mobile adapter to rigid lever again you're yep. just completely altering it function and then you're being ignorant in terms of you know looking at what the foot's supposed to be doing yeah. so somebody who's trying to fix a foot shouldn't ignore what the foot's supposed to be doing fundamentally. Well, I, I, I just don't think they know what the foot's supposed to do like they're it's so one-dimensional the approach they take because i don't think because if they did I, yeah, they would hard are they say. trying not to to help people I, I think, think they are trying to help people. I think it's mass confusion, but I think they fundamentally know what the foot... If you ask a lot of people who treat feet, it's, I think they would tell you that it 
theoretically is supposed to be a mobile adapter and a rigid lever. And a lot of people can show you at different phases of gait what's supposed to be happening at the foot. But are they and, not? So but, they know that. How are they eliminating the ability for the foot to be a mobile adapter? Are they not making that connection? Or are they not understanding that from a function? Because I think they're more biomechanists than they are functional. Um, like they don't look at the body as a functional unit. Right, because it just it doesn't make sense to put a rigid orthotic in a foot if you understand the functional utility of the foot as it relates to the hip, as it relates to everything. And when we say so, they, we mean it's just what we see yeah. commonly. We we mean it might be physical therapists, podiatrists, for sure, doctor. I don't. It's just what we see on a regular basis. Um, and and just the, be clear, we're not against. Like we don't <laughs> frown upon or think less of podiatrists. It's it's the same. We think the same thing about physios. Like the way that most physical therapy is done in Ottawa, you would agree with me on this, is terrible. Mm -hmm. It's all passive modalities that are ineffective and the system is in place to not get people better, to control their pain short term and continue treating them, whether they know that's what it's doing or not. But it's it's focusing on the symptoms, not the root cause, which makes a lot of money. That's the problem. It makes a lot of money. So no one really has a stimulus to change. It's the status quo. It's been done like that for a long time. We just all we're saying is we need to think differently about treating foot dysfunction, and we need to look at the foot in more detail at how it works, so we can understand how to help it work better when it's broken. And then we need to start changing actively what needs to be changed, whether it's yeah. mobility, stability, both. We need to start changing these things yeah. through applying stresses to the body and getting the body to adapt, which it will if you do the right things, mm-hmm. so that the foot can actually change and your function can change. And ultimately, it's your function that's going to determine whether you're in pain or not. matters in the end. And like Greg Cook had a great saying at that Perform Better Summit. He said, understand your way out of injuries. I think the average person shops out so much of their potential to understand their body to health professionals and mm-hmm. is then you know if the health professional is treating you ineffectively you're held hostage thinking that what they're saying is the best way of doing things when clearly a lot of a lot of health professionals are they are reluctant to change it looks like from ineffective old treatments to a different way of thinking that we see as effective so as a person with foot problems work to understand your body better you can literally take you can do 90 percent of what you need to do to improve your body just by understanding your body a little bit better that other 10%, maybe you need to go talk to someone or get an, a, a health professional to take a look at your body and give you that extra bit of guidance to get you to 100%. But like, don't underestimate how much you can understand about your body. Exactly. Like, we treat kids and we spend more time teaching them about their body than we do physically treating them. Um, and, it, and it gives way better results. So if a 10-year-old kid can understand why his knee hurts, any adult can with just a little bit of effort to learn about it. And that's... You know, that's what needs to be done. We got to empower people through just teaching them about their body and get them to understand that if you understand your body better, you can play a big part in getting out of pain forever. Mm-hmm. And getting people out of this preoccupied state of, of pain where pain is pain is just, we just got to look at it more objectively. Yes, we, we want to get you more comfortable, but let's get you living better, functioning better. So maybe let's just kind of go through how we would go about transitioning let's say patient x out of orthotics who's been wearing orthotics for five years let's say um this is again by no means every case is just very very different and that's why it all has nuances to how somebody would respond to this but just on a just to give people an idea of what we would do on a daily basis to to help people with this through this process Mm -hmm. um and this will probably help too so i think a little asterisk is we try and like when i treat someone in clinic I try not 
to make them depend on me for every little, you know, okay, we let's try this. Let's do, let's uh, start by spending 30 minutes a day barefoot with their orthotics. Okay. You tell someone that and person A does really well. They feel great without, uh, in that 30 minutes, they go barefoot, their foot's uh, getting, their foot's being mobilized, their foot's being strengthened, all that good stuff. Person B is like, okay, after about 20 minutes, my feet really hurt. So I don't want them to just ditch that and never spend time barefoot. I want to try and inform them that while I'm giving them the advice of spending 30 minutes barefoot, okay, I want you to get good at self-regulating. So if after 20 minutes, if after 10 minutes, your foot starts to hurt, go ahead and put your um, Birkenstocks back on or your shoes with orthotics back on. But then the next day, see how long you last. If it's 15 minutes, you just got five minutes mm-hmm. stronger, basically, in your foot. And so, you know, work up to that. So getting people to understand how to auto-regulate and, and modify and switch things slightly without just throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, okay, my feet hurt after 10 minutes, so I didn't ever go barefoot. It's exactly. Like, oh, we just wasted a week where we could have worked on stuff. I just have to be better at describing to you how to modify it. So I think that's something people have to get good at is just self-regulating and being understanding how to change things slightly if the if the you know plan that you give them isn't going perfectly. Yeah. Um, although, I don't know about you, but you know for the most part people have no problem spending time out of their orthotics a lot of people once you describe to them you know another important thing is okay a little bit of discomfort isn't a terrible thing Mm -hmm. if it's excruciating pain not good but if you just are aware of your foot maybe more so than when you have your orthotics on that's not a bad thing it's not a go right back to the orthotics because exactly it's figure out how we can skirt around that or and and i think for me a big a really, really good time to start transitioning out of the orthotics is to use that time spent. Let's you just listed like tw- let's say fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, during that time, work, work on, on on work on your foot function. Yeah. Because it's like a double whammy. You have your shoes off. Maybe you do a bit of tissue work underneath the foot. Maybe you're working on some intrinsic activation of the foot. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're going through some other issues that you're working some on some balance other work. issues. Doing some balance work. Working yeah. on some hip mobility. Working on some glute activation stuff, uh, working on some more functional movements like a, like squats, whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. um, all this time can be spent while you're barefoot. Mm-hmm. Um, the, your workout might be another... It depends. It really depends. Mm-hmm. But your, your workout that you do at home, uh, a, a yoga video that you do, uh, going to a few yoga classes, there's many different ways we can start to get people doing things to actually actively improve their feet while they're also sp- spending time without the orthotics. So that's kind of a good way in. And going um, barefoot is, it's so, it's crazy how simple some of the stuff is, right? Like go barefoot, it's free. It's super easy. Everyone can do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes the minute you say, if you don't preface it with the education behind why going barefoot is important, some people look at going barefoot and they just think you're on another planet. And then, like I had one lady and she's like, oh, I never go barefoot. I wear my shoes everywhere because my doctor told me that and the, I have orthotics in my shoes, so I have to wear them everywhere. And uh, I remember her saying in her subjective, oh, yeah, I do yoga once a week. So I asked her, I'm like, do you wear your shoes in yoga? She's like, no, I'm not allowed. So you spend an hour barefoot per week. Mm-hmm. How do your feet feel after yoga? They feel really good. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting because you just told me you're never supposed to take off shoes. You wear them inside your house, yet you do yoga once a week and your feet feel great after being barefoot for, for an hour. So it's exactly. like people don't even connect the dots sometimes. And you just got to almost like, like I didn't try and prove her wrong or try and make her feel bad for not understanding that. I just brought it into her awareness and made her almost discover that herself. And she was like, whoa, yeah. wow, that's so true. So if you can find windows in like that, like another prime example of that is when people come in to see us in the clinic. Yeah we have them barefoot the entire time. So they might be with us for 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And they'll ask them at the end, like, how do your feet feel now? 
And the same thing, often the response is, oh, they, they feel pretty good. Or, oh, I wasn't even thinking about them. And right? before that, they were like, oh, I never spend time barefoot. Yeah, I can't. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, if you're not thinking about them, or if they're feeling better, or if they're feeling slightly worse, these are all good things. You just demonstrated that you've been with me for 45 minutes to an hour, yeah. and we're no worse for the wear, right? So that's a good way in. So if you think about that, we, you just demonstrated to me right now. So tomorrow, you can do the same thing. The next yeah. day, you could theoretically do the same thing. And again, we got to watch your symptoms. we got to watch all these things. Yeah. We're also discussing somebody who's in acute pain right now. For a lot of people, you can transition way quicker. There's many people who it's like, oh, well, I spent the whole day barefoot yesterday at my cottage, and I've felt great and there's yeah. no pain okay know, well, great. exactly so then it's like now you you've demonstrated that you spent eight hours at your cottage barefoot do that the next day right maybe uh spend time at home barefoot like you start building up this resilience very quickly and a lot of people i would say more people can can transition quicker than they initially assumed and sometimes it's the opposite way sometimes people got to really take it slow um, but i find those people are much rare the people that transition way quicker than what they initially thought are super common and that's like 80 yeah, percent People that transition slower are oftentimes people that don't understand that a little bit of discomfort is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a signal, but it's an important signal, Mm -hmm. right? That's maybe 5% and then 15% kind of goes slow. It's more because they're conservative and they're worried. They've been in pain. They had, you know, those are, and, and one thing I've noticed is those are typically the people, the people that go very slow to transition are typically the people that had a super gnarly plantar fasciitis flare or foot pain flare mm-hmm. that really affected them. And so that memory of the shittiness of that period of time is almost deeply burned. They're like, they're, they're scared. They're, you know, or, they're very conservative, which or, is fine. But once you get them over that, they're like, ah, oh, shit, I feel yeah. really good barefoot now. Or they might be right in the midst of that. Or in the midst session. of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, if your tissues are hot and inflamed, yeah, like it's, it's going to be a slower process, but the it's really looking at things from a long-term perspective not a short-term perspective Mm -hmm. i think that again with that preoccupation with pain we tend to it goes hand in hand with looking at things um in a very short-sighted way um so it's like okay how am i going to be feeling like you know today i'm not feeling good it's like okay well you know how might you be feeling next week we really got to say like how are you going to be feeling in in six months from now Mm -hmm. um how do you want to be feeling in a year from now five years from now it's it's really this long-term perspective that we got to take with these people but again back to the short term you can you can go way quicker than a lot of people think yeah and one of the one of my patients yesterday came in just to look at uh, basically some her movement and mobility. It was just more of a movement and mobility screen. And she actually told me she's been in the process of transitioning out of orthotics. And she's, she was very surprised at the exact same thing. Is like, oh, it went very quickly and I'm squatting barefoot at the gym. She does more powerlifting training um, and general bodybuilding style stuff. But she was like, it's... It was a weirdly smooth process and I've been wearing them. <laughs> she's like, what? Um, I've been wearing them for, you know, about 10 years and she's wearing wow, the gym. 10 years. Mm-hmm. How and were her just, feet? Were they? Uh... They were not too bad. Like wow. honestly, not too bad. And I think she See, falls that's in the person that spends time barefoot at she, home. Exactly. Without she, even thinking about it. They're, she falls in the category of you're wearing your orthotics for some things, but not other things. You're not yeah. noticing them. You don't, you probably don't need to be wearing them. Um, so she transitioned fairly quickly. She was already very athletic and, and she's doing a lot of stuff at the gym. So she's probably, you know, she's probably got decently functional feet in the first place her her single leg stance was good she she jumped on a beam and did fairly well hmm. um but she's been doing some barefoot training for the past two to three months she said and hmm. really really good results and she's like whoa i'm never gonna look back obviously like i don't need them and i'm feeling better so and i had um, a patient the other day that told me something that like resonated with me after the fact he said now that i don't have to use my arthritis, I it's so liberating mm-hmm. and then i thought i thought about it i'm like what do you mean he's like well 
like I used to, so I only have two pairs of orthotics, but I use about four or five different pairs of shoes in a week, right? I have dress shoes. I have shoes that I have hockey skates. I have shoes that I use for activity, shoes that I use for walking. And he's like, every time I'd have to friggin' switch these things into my different shoes and they Mm -hmm. didn't fit in some. And I would forget sometimes. And he's like, when I would forget to put my orthotics in a pair of shoes and then I would use those shoes, I almost had an anxiety that my feet were going to hurt because my orthotics weren't in there. Yeah. He's like, it's not that I actually had pain, but I was anxious because my orthotics weren't in there. And he's like, now that I know I don't even need them, he's like, this is so liberating. I don't have to switch my shoes. I can wear whatever shoes I want. Um, and it's just, it was very, it hit home. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to no. worry about switching them. And do I have them for this pair of shoes or that pair of shoes? It's crazy. You shouldn't need to do that. And, then, and you don't think that that plays into pain too, yeah, right? Exactly. If you're so concerned that you can't take a step without your orthotics in, that's, that's definitely magnifying your perception of this pain signal. So for sure. Um, yeah, if your brain thinks something's going wrong, it's going to send you pain, even uh, if there's no physical structure causing you that discomfort. The brain's weird. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so patient X comes in. They've been on the for five years. First thing we do is spend time barefoot and auto-regulate. If it hurts, put your shoes back on. But getting people to start by just spending time barefoot, that's step one. Yeah. Step number two is have the footwork conversation, right? Talk about the your foot functions best when it's barefoot. Reality is you can't be barefoot all the time. You need to protect your foot from damage, from temperature. Um, you need to, you know, if you work in an office, you can't really be barefoot. And, and, you know, it's just not professional for a lot of people. So then it's okay. What are the good alternatives in terms of footwear for different purposes? You know, what, what, what do you look for in a good shoe? And then just telling them, you know, not telling them what shoe to buy, but just saying like, okay, you shouldn't have higher heel than forefoot in a shoe. That's an easy one. We're not built to stand on ramps. That's number one. And we've gone through this before. Sorry if this sounds redundant, but no heel lift, really, really flexible. You should be able to bend, twist, rotate a shoe. Um, no cushioning, no arch support, and a wide toe box. So, you know, mimic that time spent being barefoot. Yeah, exactly. Try Basically get as close, to you, as close as you can to being barefoot when you're wearing shoes by mm-hmm. just choosing better shoes. And it's not throw out every shoe you have and, and go buy a new full new shoe wardrobe. Um, it's start with one pair of shoes, see how they feel. Use that as your everyday shoe. Go for walks in that shoe. You're basically strengthening your foot and mobilizing your foot every second, every step that you take in a shoe that lets your foot work like a foot. And I would say that is a, that is a good step too. And that's just something that's going to allow you to make this process more sustainable uh, because what you wear on your feet for the majority of the day is it matters a lot. Yeah. I would say after that is we really need to start looking at these root causes and drivers of uh, why they might be getting into pain. So I think looking at a, I would say a lower quarter, lower, lower half um, or lower extremity mobility screen is going to be really, really key. So cleaning up any uh, hip mobility issues at the hip or starting the process. Yep. Um, And then, then looking at from the, from the ankle down, really honing in on that and saying, is your ankle moving well? And is your foot moving well? Is your big toe moving well? So kind of that whole lower quadrant from the knee down, really honing in on that, also the hip. Mm-hmm. And just saying, let's start to clean up some baseline, very common mobility restrictions that we see there that might be driving your pain. Um, and then we got to look at, at the same time, looking at some stability issues that yeah. we might need to start addressing too. Well, you had an interesting case, that same lady that you're talking about that got out of orthotics and was training barefoot like you you told me yesterday but that she was an interesting case with regards to ankle Mm -hmm. right because at the outset you it would look like her ankles were tight but she had ankle mobility for days she had tons she she was very good um at dorsiflexion to end range and she she had ton of, of dorsiflexion range very very functional um in that sense but what i did find is that 
she was complaining that she was less stable on that right side mm-hmm. uh, ended up being a hip problem so she was just lacking hip extension on that side and she was tighter on her right side very very common um but that was giving her the sensation of being way less stable on that arch although she could still control it she wasn't cl- collapsing in um and so was her single like box squat that you saw her stability looked like her ankle went to end range but it was really she didn't have the stability to go down any lower so it looked like she got locked up but it was really a stability problem at the exactly because both the rotation too both her ankles were moving the exact same when i tested them and then i put her on that box exactly 20 inch box trying to do a single leg squat down um one side easy she's just banging off reps the other side she goes halfway down she has to stop what is, what's happening her knees starting to, to come to the inside that was auto regulating her that was telling her oh don't go further than that it yeah. just looked like she had more of a mobility problem that was pure case of stability problem because her ankles were moving wow. the same That's so just addressing upstream at the hip, her hip control, uh, her ability to, to position her knee, ankle, and foot in a better spot. And again, that's kind of right, that's where I cracked her. Before that, she was doing pretty good. Her squat looked pretty good, all these other things. But uh, just some single leg stability, and I think the, the mobility issue around that hip was driving that. But hmm. but again, just giving her, breaking it down to two or three things that she can start working on is going to clean her up in a, in a good way. And she's a very high-functioning example of that. Hmm. We might have to start down the road, um, you know, a lot simpler with a lot of other people. But but again, these are the issues that you want to work on concurrently. She's the, the same person that was doing her barefoot squatting and barefoot workouts and having great results already. So mm-hmm. she's not the type of person that I'm too concerned with. She's concerned with, you know, more on the performance end of the spectrum at this, uh, at this point in time. So the big common theme is let's start looking after we talk about the footwear and the starting the process of weaning let's start to address some of these issues that can change mm-hmm. mobility issues around the ankle and foot mobility issues that might be around the hip driving mm-hmm. potential stability issues as mm-hmm. well and these things can you can start to work on them over time you don't have to be perfect a lot of people are like well this is going to take like six months to fix all this well you can still change transition out of your orthotics before that right yeah. it doesn't need you, you don't need to be perfect you're never going to be perfect and mobility we're not asking you to be perfect and exactly. no one's going to be perfect i'm not perfect my hip is stiffer on one side i'm le- I have less balance on- you're not going to be perfect just you- be good enough that you're not injuring yourself or creating a, a a need for the pain signal to come out exactly you know which happens very quick like it's so i'm always shocked at how quickly and i think we're getting better and better at getting people to that symptom free point quicker mm-hmm. um you know and that's why we constantly revamp our seminar it's like it works what we're teaching works and it's good and it's gotten better even in the course of six months of giving these things you know we're on the sixth iteration of the manual um but we can get better like in a year from now we're just we're still going to be what we do right now works but we can refine it even more to get people better quicker Mm -hmm. um and it's the constant drive to just okay there's there's better ways you know just experiment on yourself experiment with your patients and try different things um different sequences and it comes down to the individual doing the individual needs to do the the work and that it's that individual who not only needs to do the work but they before that need to decide i'm going to start down the path of 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 fixing this so that's kind of needs to be the decision on their end and they need to believe that first of all that it can be fixed if they have the preconceived notion that they they need these orthotics or or they can't do this then then they have no reason to explore that there's no reason and, and they won't get the results that you're you're going for so they need to make the decision they need to get guidance and help from somebody who can help them um or go to the way uh, and go to their way to self-experiment as they're going through the process because mm-hmm. a lot of it is not rocket science yeah. um so it's kind of both or it's not a fine-tuned science like there's some variety it depends it says a lot you have to modify things a lot and mm-hmm. i think the value of going to see a therapist because education is a big part of it it's probably most of it and our goal 
at TFC is to give people as much of that education as possible. But identifying you have an ankle mobility problem, that you have a hip mobility problem, that you have a foot mobility problem. Okay, great. You've identified the root causes, mm-hmm. you know, elements that are part of why this is happening. But then it's okay. What do I do first? Where do I prioritize? And that's when you get someone to look at you, you know, that girl probably felt like she had tight ankles in her squat and was losing stability, but it wasn't an ankle problem. It was a hip mm-hmm. problem. The ankle mobility issue was a byproduct of the stability problem at the hip. So it's, you know, and if you prioritize in the right way, you address issue A, issues B, C, and D go away on their own because some of those are, you know, not always, but some of the time they're byproducts of issue A. Mm-hmm. And if you deal with B, C, and D first without touching A, it takes you a long time to get, you know, back to optimal. Whereas if you prioritize the right way, and troubleshoot in a way that, okay, this is priority number one because this is affecting this, this, and this. That's, I think, the value where a therapist comes in. But, exactly. But like that's, you said, that's the work our job, is done by right? them, right? They, they do the work. We just guide them on, you know, even Greg Cook talked about most people are in this really deep hole, okay? This deep hole of pain or injury or poor health. Our job is not to pull them out of the hole. Our job is to show them how to build the ladder, Right? It doesn't matter how deep you are, you got to have the motivation to climb out of that hole. And then you got to have guidance on how to put a ladder together so you can actually get out. And that's mm-hmm. our job, right? Because otherwise, if you don't, if you know all the pieces of the ladder, but you don't know how to put them together, you never get out of the hole. Exactly. You just do all this work and then the ladder continues to fall apart when you're halfway up. It's like we teach them how to build a strong ladder. We teach them, okay, this is the sequence. These are the problems. Let's identify the problems first. Let's understand that this problem can be corrected. We've seen it before. We see people get out of issues. So it's, this can be fixed. You have to do the work of doing this. And then here's, here's what you do. Here's where you And start. then here's how much you do it. And then yeah. we talk about uh, just guiding them and programming them and all that kind of stuff. And that's just, that comes down to their end. But it's, again, it's like that diagnostic, diagnosing what needs to be done to fix the root cause. That's what, yeah. there's where we come into play. So, yeah. So that's, I think we'll probably wrap it up. I think that was a good conversation about, you know, talking about what we're talking about when we talk about orthotics, why they're prescribed. The fact that your feet change and orthotics really don't touch on the root cause of why so many of these these, these dysfunctions happen. Um, pain is not a good metric to, to guide your treatment because oftentimes pain is not usually even in the area that the root cause of the problem is located. So it's a bad metric. Um, a $500 custom orthotic is just as good as a $20 orthotic you buy at Walmart. Okay, that's, that's what the research is saying. We're not making this up. This is, you know, the most recent review that we could find of uh, a lot of studies coming together in a meta-analysis showed that they're the same. It also shows that we don't really know what orthotics do, right? Like even people who mm-hmm. are prescribing them, if they tell you they know exactly what they're doing and they're correcting the alignment of something, they don't understand how the body works because that doesn't happen. That's one final point I want to touch on is that we didn't is that they are not changing your structure right and studies also show show to that they're not actually aligning you they're not doing all these other things uh, that oftentimes they're claiming to do so yeah yeah, exactly they might be modifying your tissue loading temporarily or modulating your pain but they're not correcting you and they're not fixing you so yeah anyway thanks for listening next couple episodes we have lined up uh research versus science that's a big one that we want to go over because it's uh we want to just kind of explain our kind of viewpoint on on differentiating research versus science because what what we feel is they're very different and i think just airing that out and um and putting that out there i think is going to be important um we're going to do one on switching from conventional footwear to human footwear or barefoot shoes we're going to talk about the mind how your your brain is people's brains are oftentimes the biggest obstacle to recovery so those are some things coming down the pipeline on uh, the shop top um And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week.